Hey everyone, this is Bill Kenny, CEO of Focus Lab, a global B2B brand agency. Back with another episode of The Debrief. As a reminder, The Debrief is a series where I sit down and have candid conversations with past Focus Lab partners. If you're considering a rebrand, this is definitely the series for you as we uncover what it's like to go through a rebrand from the client side. So in today's episode, I've sat down with two fantastic human beings, talk about the perfect client-side culture fit. That is the team that we just worked with, which is very, and these two wonderful women that I just spent 45 minutes chatting with about the rebrand experience working with Focus Lab. So I'm speaking with Emily Maxey, who's the CMO, and Elizabeth Haig, who is the head of brand and demand marketing at Barry. We talk about what it's like to go through a rebrand two years after having just gone through a rebrand. That's a very nuanced, complicated scenario to deal with. Uh, and we really unlock a lot in the conversation around that specifically. We talk like I always do about what's most challenging in a rebrand. It's always valuable to hear those perspectives. Rebrands are not easy. And ultimately, we uncover their biggest insights on what is most valuable in a rebrand effort, how to traverse that successfully, and even uniquely um, driven by each of their roles. Many would think the CMO drives a rebrand. We hear in this episode why Elizabeth is even at Very and what her effort was in the rebrand. Ultimately, we finish on what they would tell anybody sitting in similar roles to them to make sure they account for in their own rebrand. I hope you enjoy this great episode. So welcome to the show. Uh, first, before we do anything, do you mind introducing yourselves and talking about what you do at Barry? Sure. Um, I can go first. I'm Emily Maxey. I'm Chief Marketing Officer at Barry. Been with the company almost six years, and I lead the marketing function. We're a very um, demand generation centric marketing team, and um, so uh, that's that's what I do. And I am Elizabeth Haig. I'm the Senior Director of Brand and Demand Marketing at Very. Um, I specialize in brand; that is my thing, and um, working with pre-IPO. 10 million to 100 million AAR companies is kind of my sweet spot and very is like home to me. It's a great team. I love the services and I love my boss, Emily, you're amazing. So super fun to work here. <laughs> hey, uh, thank you both for that. Uh, I'm like I said, I'm excited to talk about the very rebrand, which is what we partnered with you all on. And that's why we're here to discuss. Yeah. So it's been live for, for a little bit now. Yeah. Um, which is even better, right? Cause we can actually talk about what it, what have you seen? What have you been able to do since then? So I framed these conversations in three portions, which is before the project, in the project, and then after the project. So I want you to speak to each of those categories to our listeners and viewers, which are gonna be other marketing and design professionals, even founders as well that are curious, nervous, excited about rebrand. So hopefully we're gonna unlock some value and some insight pull back the curtain and really talk about what that's like. So first question, the big question, how did you know that it was time to go through a rebrand at all? Yeah, I can take this one because it, uh, 
knowing that it was time predates Elizabeth's time, even at Barry. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So um, we went through a rebrand in 2020 and it was very rushed because we had this very immature brand. Um, we had two colors to work with black and white and a logo and that was it. And so mm -hmm. I knew that we needed more, but I'm not a brand expert. And so I led that process and the end result was something that I don't think anyone was thrilled with. Um, but it was sort of just, we went through the motions. It was better than what we had and we did the thing. Um, yeah. but really as we started to look at the competition and not just the brands that we come up against, but also aspirational brands, brands that we would like to seem like, um, mm -hmm. we realized that there was a really big opportunity in the market where, none of our competitors were doing brand particularly well. And it seemed like a really great opportunity for us to um, professionalize and really showcase what we do and um, instill confidence in prospective customers. So that's sort of the, the genesis of it. And Emily is so humble and she talks about this rebrand like it was like terrible or whatever, this 2020 thing that, you know, and it wasn't. I think it was perfect for the the evolution of where you guys were at the time. You know, I think it reflected, you know, where you guys were coming from, where you were hoping to go. And it, I think it really served the business well for that period of time that you had it, you know, don't cut your don't give yourself that you know, give yourself <laughs> a little bit more credit, you know, like, <laughs> I think you guys did well, you know, yeah. And the backdrop that all of this is happening in is a rapidly changing business where our target customer changed very dramatically over mm, the course of those years. And so um, now we have landed in a spot where we have a really good, um, really good customer base that trusts us and, you know, all of that. And so um, creating a brand that really speaks to them um, was also part of the goal. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head around, you know, the rapid changing business strategy, because when I entered the scene, that's what I was really digging in on and not it was obvious that obviously you looked for a brand expert. That's why I came to Barry. But the other opportunity around, like, why would you rebrand twice in such a short period of time? It just made so much more business sense than staying with something that wouldn't serve the business or advance it forward. That's right. I'm glad you touched on that because I am curious uh, and we see it and hear about it sometimes. So I'm curious from the inside from y'all um, going through a rebrand in 2020. Let's not forget it was also COVID, right? There's a lot right. of stuff happening. And then to then go and initiate that again so quickly. Was there any fear even from the C-suite, even all the way up to the top to say like, oh, God, we're going through this process again. Why do we need to do it again? Yeah, so um, we were very intentional. We knew that that was going to be a question in people's minds. And so we were very intentional about setting the stage for why right from the get go. And so um, both with the C-suites and then with our comms to the entire company. Mm -hmm. And um, so we really um, crafted that story and then just told it again and again and again and again, you know, as a reminder, this is why we're doing this. Just so you remember, this is why we're doing this. And I think um, that really helped us. Um, we, I've never seen adoption of a new brand the way that we have 
scene oh, for that. this one. Yeah. Well done. Internally. Well done. And it, people are so excited about it. And they, once they see it and experience it, they get it. And so mm-hmm. that's really rewarding. And I'll go like a click below that, a tactical level, because um, one of the things when I entered it, the challenge was, OK, we've got three different verticals we need to please as far as like trust building. We've got the C-suite. So we've got that business side of things. We've got the employees because they're like, hold on, what? The employees uh-huh. we had to like build trust with. And we had to build trust with an audience, which, of course, is like your number one thing. You don't want to like kill off the business or hurt the business in any way. So even when I entered the scene, I was like, cool. Um, I must be nuts. I'm really like taking like like a really, really challenging thing. It could be really scary. This could make or break, you know, this could really, this could be really scary. Right. So Mm -hmm. it took me about six months to kind of like really suss out from that, like leadership standpoint, what was going on with C-suites, what was going on internally, what was going on with the business before I even felt confident, like saying, Hey, Emily, can, do you trust me enough to start this process? You know, can can we move forward from here? This is what the steps will look like, and here's how we can adopt it. Because there's that that trifecta of trust is really uh-huh. at any point any of that could blow up, and it could be like really really scary. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well said. Yeah, um, thank you both for answering that. Because what I wanted to reveal there is sometimes it is appropriate to go through a, yet another rebrand. But that, if not communicated well, which y'all did, uh, can be confused for brand as a Band-Aid. Right. Oh, we just, something's broken, we're just going to do another rebrand. Oh, that didn't work well, we're just going to do another rebrand. And it, it doesn't have to be that. There can be very appropriate reasons to actually go through and brand again. Um, so, yeah, thanks for, for sharing that insight. So then you have to figure out, well, who the hell are we going to work with? Now, I, <laughs> I obviously kind of know the connection and, and how this formed, but I'm going to ask it anyways, which is uh, what were you looking for in a rebrand partner? Yeah. So I don't do anything without purpose. Right. And one of the things as a leader, um, all leaders need to be mindful of is building trust. And one of the ways to build trust is to be as transparent as possible around how you're making decisions. Right. I mean, especially when you have C-suite involved, you need to communicate very clearly with them and uh, give them reasons to, you know, ask questions with, but, you don't have time to like explain all of the nuances of brand to someone who's yes. like, give me the executive summary and five, like you got your pitch deck up. You're like trying to tell the C-suite what's going on. You know, they're going to cut in at like slide one and a half, if you can even uh-huh. get to like the second slide. Right. So the way that I've been able to kind of like foster trust at, across different kinds of communication, across different levels of understanding, across up and down is to create a rubric. It's just really simple. It sounds nuts, but it works. So what I do at the top is I have my vendors, I create a scoring sheet and on the side is like everything that might matter. And we don't, I don't just bring a vendor and say like, trust me. It's like, okay, why would you trust me? You know, like I say, here are the things that we care about. Obviously, I already had a vendor that knocked had all fives across the board. I mean, of course, I had someone I wanted to hire. Cough, cough, focus lab. But <laughs> you know, it's it's important to give a fair shake to everything and also sure. build that trust. You know, so 
I gathered my team together. We had people sit through these interviews with agencies to really understand and be involved in the process of choosing the right vendor. And so that it's not just on one person. We're collectively making the, the, the decision together based on multiple factors, things yeah. like cost, um, attitude, ROI, um, just, you know, whatever could impact, you know, timeline services offered. Do we even like them? Are they nice people yeah. like that? Yeah. Like that? Do yeah. we trust them? Do they give us a good vibe? Like, so it's, it's trying to eliminate the bias from the process as much as possible so that we can like actually make a, a strategic business decision together on like clear metrics and not just like, yeah. well, I think I like them. It's like, well, no, let's get rid of that. What was it yeah. like from the C-suite perspective? Was it effective? I guess it was effective. It was super effective. And um, I knew that um, that you had some people that you had worked with in the past and had good experiences with, but it was truly a like, let's go, let's find from our networks who is recommended, let's create the criteria together. And so it was a very collaborative process and I never felt like um, Elizabeth was sort of like, tilting the scales in one direction or another. It was, um, it helped, and then it helped me to be able to communicate up to the C-suite. This is why we chose this vendor. This is their superpower. Um, and then um, to be able to say, you know, here are the others we looked at. Here's why we didn't choose them, so. Yeah, wow, well done. Very intentional. You're gonna show us those scores? You're going to let us in? I can show you. I'll email you. I'll do a screenshot. You guys ranked very high. <laughs> you know, the funny part is like, you know, I can't, you can't make other people adopt your stuff. Like this is like something sure. that I brought with me or whatever. And like yeah. anytime we haven't used the rubric, it's been like, okay, Damn <laughs> the it. rubric works. Like yeah. just use the rubric. Like it's going to, yeah. I know it's weird. Just do it though. You know? <laughs> Yeah, uh, that should be a very valuable takeaway for other people because I'm sure that most are not using a scoring sheet in that way. A right. lot are probably going off of vibe. We will score high on vibe, but you can't yeah. just go off vibe, right? It has to be the other things um, and measuring them and doing them really intentional. Well done. Mm -hmm. See the things we uncover in these episodes? I had no <laughs> idea that you were using a rubric. Uh, okay, so you so you select us. We win the rubric game. Yay. Uh, and now we get into the project. So I've got a couple questions in the project. Rebranding is not easy. All right, let's repeat that. Rebranding is never easy. So the first question is, what was most challenging about that journey that you took with us on the very rebrand? Rebrands are my least favorite part of being <laughs> a marketer. They, the honest truth. Um, I do not like them. They are difficult on every dimension. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I think for me, the biggest, um, the biggest challenge was the PTSD from having done this before a number of times, and having the result not be what I wanted, and having everything be painful. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then what I found was, you know, I was waiting for a shoe to drop or waiting to see something coming around the corner and it, it didn't happen <laughs> for a number of reasons. Um, one that we, we picked a great partner, but also two that 
Elizabeth has done this more than a hundred times and um, is a true pro in how to do this and mm -hmm. how to manage it from an internal standpoint. We had employee committees, we had executive committees and each were communicated to in different ways. Um, and it was, um, it, yeah, I cannot imagine a rebrand going as smoothly as this one did, though there were there were hiccups, um, but mostly yeah. were outside of the the rebrand itself and more in the implementation piece of it. So got it. Yeah, I didn't expect it to for you to compliment me, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, truly, I've been, like Emily said, I've done this quite a few times, like probably way too many times. It's just a specialty of mine. It's for whatever reason, I really, really love the hard thing. Um, it's something that I chase down. It's something that I enjoy. But um, you're right. It, it can be really difficult. And I have seen on other projects, not ours, um, but I've seen on other projects, it go sideways. And I'm sure oh, yeah. Focus Lab has seen that too. Like, and that is yep. very difficult to manage. I mean, a rebrand is extremely emotional and you're hitting C-Suite's baby, you know, like yeah. telling them that a C-Suite's baby is ugly, is not an easy role to have in any company. It's very risky for your career and your mental health. <laughs> like, <laughs> like who would choose this job? I don't know. Crazy people, right? Like, <laughs> who, I mean, you just have to like navigate those narrow channels of just trying to find the right way to communicate. And it can be really hard. You know, it takes it takes an, a mountain worth of planning. It takes, it does take those rubrics. It takes committees. It takes a strong understanding of how this is, what the end result could be trying to get people engaged, excited. You know, those are the challenging things like getting employees to love something that they may or may not be involved in, like getting yeah. them hyped without it feeling like, like propaganda. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's an yes. art form in and of itself. Not to mention all the other landmines you've got to deal with from that leadership side and business side and target market side. And whoo, it's a lot. It's a lot. It can be a lot. It's a lot. I would recognize that. And you both played an important role. So I want to be very careful here, not only to give props to one person, but Elizabeth, you play a pivotal role in a rebrand. And we see that over and over again in multiple rebrand efforts that we do with clients, which is if they have a point person that can really orchestrate Yep. that effort in a particular way that allows the CMO, Emily, to be doing what you should be doing within the rebrand and not orchestrating the whole damn thing from like point to connecting all the parties and really just weighing in on the work to a degree and doing that, it makes the success rate of that rebrand so much higher. We know that to be true so profoundly that we're looking for that person at the start of every rebrand, even if it's not clear, right? Even if they don't have the role that Elizabeth sits in, we're saying, who's the point person? And is that the right point person? Or are they going to be too busy and working on too many other mm -hmm. things to do that? Are they going to come in with potential fears and PTSD? And that could like inhibit the project, right? As we're having to work through those, but also work on the project. So I would just do a quick high five, additional high five to you, Elizabeth, to say, you might not know, how influential that is within these projects. It can really be a make or break. Props now to Emily for recognizing that before the project and actually filling that seat and hiring you, right? To say like, I don't really thrive in these things. It doesn't have to be my superpower, even though I'm a CMO and maybe at the surface level, it's like supposed to be my thing, like rebrands. It's not accurate, right? So 
basically build out the team and make it more well-rounded. Awesome. I love that y'all both shared that. Um, and again, thank you for selecting Focus Lab on that journey. Uh, but it's it's not easy. We work really hard on our side to mitigate those fears. Those fears are always there for every single client, no matter how experienced or not. And I think that's really one of the rubric scores that we try to score really high on, which is we're here for you. We empathize with you. We know you're scared. We got your back. We're going to do what we need to do to get you across this finish line. And it will be successful. We're not lying to you. Just be patient. Let's get through this together. Um, but y'all had a perfect formula anyways. I mean, the team is going to be jacked up when they know that I've recorded a debrief with the both of you because they love the both of you and they love working with y'all on the project. It was just one of those like set up for success from the start type of projects. Okay. I love you guys' team. Seriously. Uh, Even when you guys do promotions, I'm always like, yeah. Like when stepping yeah. I was like, girl, you deserve it. You're amazing. Like, <laughs> yes. so, yeah. Like your team yes. is great. <laughs> which, which we'll get to her specifically in a minute. Oh, yes. uh, okay. So there's the challenging aspects and there are millions of them. We don't, we don't even want to dedicate the whole episode to all the challenges. You called out some of the biggest ones, and that's the valuable takeaway. Let's talk about what is most rewarding now. To each of you, what was the most rewarding aspect of the rebrand? I have been the head of marketing at a number of different companies for a number of years, and I have never had a brand that I felt proud of and that I felt reflected the company that I was at. And... Um, it's one of those things where I know enough to know it's broken and I don't, I don't have that expertise to fix it alone. And so to um, work with Focus Lab, work with Elizabeth and create a brand that truly represents who we are as a company, which is, I think, a pretty special place and we do pretty special, special work. Um, that has been the most rewarding thing for me to have a logo that I'm proud to wear on, you know, swag and things like that. And I don't feel like, Oh, this is what a dinky looking logo. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, to just, um, and to see all of the expressions of the brand come to life in that way, in a, in a way that makes me very proud. Um, that's, that's been the highlight for me. For me, you know, the most rewarding aspect of this rebrand specifically was just the amount of trust I was given, you know, and, and being successful, finally being like, just getting through that, like really long process and having trust from multiple sides, you know, it's like the biggest gift you can get as a leader to have the C-suite say, this turned out great. And then on top of that, to have the employees be like, I like it. What? Like you like yeah. it? Okay. That are going, oh, God, I did it, you know, like that to me, I mean, that's just a personal thing, but like, you know, you, you, when you enter into a project like this, it's a big risk, right? It's a big risk for your title. It's a big risk for your position in the company. It's a big risk as a newer employee. Cause I started this as a newer employee, you know, and you don't have very much time to gain all of that trust in order to like, you know, to select the right vendor, mitigate, you know, any of the pitfalls and caveats, create something that clients recognize over and over again, create something that your CMO in a recorded meeting said that she is proud of, like, that is like, cool. Okay, exactly, exactly. And also to have employees like say, I don't want to like, I still get DMs today, like saying, hey, I'm designing something for whatever. Does this hurt the brand? 
what? You're talking to me? Oh, you're not just like off in the weeds doing whatever you want. Like the respect and the trust is like, that's above, that's above and beyond. I could, I mean, you, you can't, that's, that's like weight and gold right there. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that's like a hundred percent green lights across the board. A plus plus. We did an amazing job. This is, this is perfect. It's, it's the right brand for this company for sure. Yeah, I would pull the thread back to, I, I believe, and I'll give a lot of uh, props to both of you on this, the way that you commu communicated that from the start. If you don't start there, it's hard to get that exact outcome. People are not going to respect it like what you just talked about. If you don't start at the front end and say, hey, we're doing this thing and this is why, and this is how we're going to fill you in, and this is why it matters. You started that so forward that you can now lean on that. It's not just because they love the color and they don't want to mess up the color, right? It has to be bigger and deeper than that. And it started with how the both of you communicated it. So well done again. So you mentioned Stephanie a second ago, and um, I want to talk about brand support. Not everybody goes through brand support that works with Focus Lab. Uh, maybe about half of the, the people that we work with do because they recognize they need it. But I'm interested to hear from y'all like, why was that so valuable for very? So let me, I should probably contextualize a little bit what brand support is. So at Focus Lab, at the end of the project, we have what we call brand support. That's where we stay on the project and we help deliver the actual assets that are going to be used for the rollout and gifts and swag and all this stuff that needs to be created after the project that is not necessarily in the scope of the work. As we're just trying to nail the brand, we can't be worried about, hey, we need a t-shirt. We got to worry about that stuff after. Um, but I think what we run into, most of our clients say, well, we don't have a team to do that. We might have to go find freelancers or we have a team to do it, but they're busy as hell. They don't have the time to do it. So you fell into one of those categories. So can you just talk about brand support for a minute and what that allowed you to do? Yeah, Emily's not going to be surprised when I say I had a spreadsheet with a lot of tabs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it start with it starts with evidence, right? Because I mean, like a brand support could be for any size of company, right? Because you just hit on like every pain point. Like you could be at, I don't know, IBM, but your internal team could be working on like a multi-million dollar project and not have time to like design, you know, a, a tear sheet or something or one pager or like sweat. I mean, like they're like, okay, sure, but also this is what I'm being measured by, not the right. t-shirts that you want me to design, you know? So yes. um, what I ended up, how I ended up um, saying we need support is first of all, the team size, you know, like definitely team size is a big factor. You know, the team was busy doing other things. We had to like make that critical decision of like, how are we going to balance the team and the resources that we have? But the big point of it was, you know, this huge spreadsheet I had of like every asset like I had someone help me, thank God, but we interviewed everyone around the company of like, what, what is branded that you have as a contract? Is there some like platform you have a logo on? You know, what is it that you own that has like any part of the brand, like anything that needs a logo update, like voice and tone update, like what's going on on your side of the fence and mm -hmm. gathering that level of evidence. It was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of items. It just, yes, it's a hell of an audit, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, every, everything from like a Divi, like from finance, Divi platform with like, a, someone has to change that. Someone has to. And it's like, we need, we need everyone all in helping from company level. And it's, it, you, I presented this to Emily and was like, what doing? <laughs> <laughs> how, how do? And she yeah. was like, we need to, let's just go ahead and buy the board. Like, and I didn't trust freelancers to, because they're not part of our team. You guys are an extension of us. You cared mm. so deeply about us. You were already deeply invested in our mission, deeply invested in our success. It just made sense. And I'm glad we did it. Thank you for sharing that. I, and the reason I wanted you to speak to it is because I think people look at Focus Up and they say, oh, big rebrands, big re And they just kind of focus on that part of the equation. And it is so valuable, this brand support department, this team, the value that they deliver and the work that they create that I don't want it to get overlooked. So mm -hmm. I wanted y'all to speak to it, not just me to try to speak to it. Uh, so thank you for that. All right. So you get through brand support. You're starting to update all the stuff, the million and a half items that show up in that damn spreadsheet. And now let's talk about, so it, it's been live for, what's math on that, six-ish months about? Am I doing that right? Five-ish. Um, somewhere in there. So not a huge amount of time, but certainly enough time for me to ask the first question, which is what has the new brand allowed you to do that you could not do before? It has really elevated our ability to sell into really large um, enterprises. Um, we are in the process of going up market. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, yes. And a multi-million dollar contract. Yeah. Big. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, so you're saying it paid for itself already. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. <laughs> <It's pretty much. laughs> um, yeah. And, um, and the other thing is it's not just helping us during the sales process, but it's also helping us attract those people um, organically and through paid paid media on our site. And so um, it is just very evident that um, the new brand displays a seriousness that matches the seriousness with which we take our work. Mm -hmm. um, another piece of the rebrand um, that people might not know about is that we changed our domain from very possible.com to very technology.com. That was another huge lift and a very intentional move on our part to um, move away from something that's felt sort of vague and almost like a magic eight ball result. Like, yeah. is, can I do this? It's very possible um, <laughs> to something more descriptive and um, that really, um, again, shows that seriousness and that we are um, experts in our craft. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's been um, the reaction um, clients love it. Prospects love it. Um, our sales team loves it. So it's been very successful. I think anything bad. You had me um, a multi-million dollar contract. Yeah. I love everything else though. I love everything else. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's a big one for sure. And the yeah. clients loving it is huge, but from an internal team standpoint, it has the confusion around our previous brand of the system, you know, the, the lack of flexibility going from uh, a little bit more of, of a, an environment where it was a little, a little tougher. It wasn't as robust. It was like we were getting through a good transition period with the previous brand. Now this brand is like fully robust, right? 
I mean, you guys worked on everything from mission, vision, values to giving our um, employees a branded name, you know, like great swag. I mean, even our um, head of people or VP of people said at our retreat that we just returned from, she was like, you guys made it so easy to create all of this aspect because of all the colorways that you've given. So just having the operations that internally, like reducing the amount of time people have to guess as to whether or not something is branded or having the flexibility to create something really creative for designers, even, you know, they're like, I have all these resources, I could create these really cool animations or really big, beautiful things for marketing or this cool PDF, just having less restrictions and more exciting options has given people so much more freedom and trust. And that emotional aspect of the rebrand is paying so many dividends internally. It's it's what keeps people like on board internally. Yes. Emily nailed the external aspect. I mean, like, like you said, you cannot multi-million contracts. Come on. Thank you. Focus lab. You know, (laughs) yeah, that everything, everything else is freebie after that. Right. And then, and how long do you continue to get those benefits? Right. It starts to pay for itself hundred times over kind yeah. of thing, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. you wouldn't expect yeah. to see, I mean, usually an ROI on a rebrand takes about 12 to 18 months. I mean, it's the longer haul investment. I yeah. mean, for us yeah. to see something like this so quickly after the rebrand, like literally, I don't know when, when did we start seeing an ROI on it? Like three, four months after we, I mean, if that's, that, yeah, that's insanity to me. Like that is such an instant return. It it just goes to show you, like from that financial aspect, it was a hundred percent the right play to do this. Yes. I mean, yeah, because yeah. sometimes it I mean it varies from company to company as to when you see that ROI. I usually yes. tell I to tell people expect twelve to eighteen months on ROI. I don't know, you know, we saw yeah. it instantaneously. I think that is one of the bigger hurdles that people struggle with. Yes, I know that we look inconsistent and our story is kind of messed up and we can't really sell up market, but is a rebrand going to change that or do we need to change our product or is it something else? And I can stand on my soapbox all day and preach about why it would be valuable, but it's really great to hear from the inside. Uh, So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing the URL bit. It's important and I won't get on this soapbox for very long because it's kind of a dead topic at this point, which is like brand is not a logo, right? You're even talking about a URL change and what the psychology of that URL change implies. That is all part of coming out with a new brand in the narrative that you're trying to tell. So that's a cool tidbit. I actually had forgotten that you changed the URL. Props to you all for covering all the bases. It's not just a new (laughs) color palette, right? It has to be everything. We even service marked the word very. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. No one can challenge us because it's ours. Wow. I know. <laughs> we were able to service mark the word very. very. Like, all right. <laughs> Got it. Nailed yeah, it. Yeah, and then you're talking about the the ROI that is impossible to measure and we won't even ever try to measure it, which is like employee sentiment and how easy it yeah. is for somebody to get excited about a thing that's coming. All these things that are impossible to measure, but you can feel it. There's a feeling mm-hmm. there and that is still super valuable. What is what is the value of a team member feeling proud to work somewhere and jacked up as a result of what the brand stands for? Again, not a logo. That's not going to get somebody jacked up. But the narrative and the story of of what they're now being a part of as part of this mission and the values and the culture. What's that worth? Probably just just as much as a multimillion dollar contract if you spread that across 
even 10 people kind yep. of thing, right? So, um, which is a perfect lead in to my next question. What would y'all tell a founder or CEO that is struggling to see the value in investing in brand? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that is difficult with brand is that it's part of an ecosystem. And so it isn't the only thing that is fixing things and changing things, but it is a really important piece of it. And so I, I don't think um, changing a brand in isolation is going to have these same sort of effects. But if yep. you align your brand with what you do and what you stand for and the brand promises that you're making and things like that, that's where you really start to see the ROI. So it's like you said, it's not a logo change and a color change. It is alignment at the most fundamental level. And once you get that alignment, that's where you really start to see the value. And so I, I would say either go all in or don't do it. Um, ah, is sort yes. of my, my recommendation, but Elizabeth, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, this is such a, like Bill said, you can get on a soapbox as a brander because then, you know, it's like, we're trying to like tell these C-suites and founders, like the value of, it's like, you don't trying to grab the shoulders and shake. It's like, do you understand? <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Brand is everything, you know? Yes. Um, but to your point, Emily, it's kind of like, you know, brand is at the top of that business structure, right? Brand reflects the business strategy. So if your brand is not right, there's something wrong even higher up, right? It, it's a reflection of that business strategy. So it means there's a connection between the two that is just not functional, you know? And so if you are talking to like a founder or a C-suite or someone about like, well, I just don't want to invest in brand. It's like, okay, but here's the thing are you solid on your business strategy? Because if you are, and there's disconnects between, and it's not reaching your audience, you are losing money every single day that you yeah. are not connecting your, cause your brand is the umbrella for all business functions. It reflects you, your company, your employees, the leadership style, talent retention, employee happiness, it, the ability for someone to do their job quickly as a designer for market. It affects marketing. It affects sales. I mean, we are finance, you know, uh, we're talking like it starts to trickle down into yeah. it has tendrils into every single thing. Yeah. Uh, so plus one to what Emily says, like, if you're not going to do it, then leave it alone. Like you're not ready to look at that business strategy aspect of it, whatever be all in because it is an all in brand is an all encompassing. It reflects everything about your business. So treat it, treat it respectfully like that and just go for it. You know, you can just, you know, there are certain things in science, right? Where there's just not, there's like friction. So it's going slow mm -hmm. and it's not achieving what it's supposed to achieve. You get that alignment and things come together and that friction is removed. And that's mm -hmm. the multiplier. I think that is an important way to think about it. Um, mm -hmm. thank you both. Great answers. Final question. If you were speaking with anybody that was about to go through a rebrand, what would you tell them is the most important thing they need to consider as they enter that journey? Calms, calms, calms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I would say. Um, both internally and with your partner and, um, just, uh, getting your comms tight is going to ensure 
good adoption and um, and just that people will embrace the new brand when it comes, whether those people are your current customers or your C-suites or your employees, um, really, uh, that's that's a big takeaway for me. So. And I'll just quickly, before you go, Elizabeth, I just, for the people that are not familiar with the word comms very specifically, because we all live in this world, right? So sure. communicating, which is the topic that we've talked about yeah. a lot, right? So yeah, comms yeah. equaling communication, communicate with your team. Don't build it in a box in a silo. Doesn't yeah. mean you need to get everybody to look at it every week and, and get kind of this democratic full company approach to the project, mm-hmm. but communicate why it matters, why you're doing it, what they can expect, when they might see it. Yep. Well said, Emily. Thank you. Yeah. So my answer would be very circling back around to the beginning of when we started this conversation, when you pointed out of like a C-suite or a founder needs to identify that right person to run this project so that you can make those strategic. So if if I was talking to a founder or C-suite, I would say identify that person. But if that person out there is similar to me and you're the person that your C-suite identified to do the work, my advice is to mitigate every ounce of risk you possibly can before going into work like this. So choosing the right vendor like that, just any of any vendor is a make or break you on your on the job. Like it could make or break whether or not you're going to stay at the company. I mean, a failure at at such a public level can be emotionally devastating if you're not ready for it, right? Like you need to be very, very careful. So choose, (laughs) choose your vendors wisely, be very careful, and then mitigate every ounce of risk you possibly can from every angle before you even begin the project, right? So like Emily was saying, get your comms right, decide how you're gonna do your comms to each group, you know, get your budget right, get your vendors right, and then just trust the process. Cause if you do it from, if you're very strategic about how you do this from creation to rollout, you're golden. You got it. Just trust yourself. But oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easier said than done, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you both for trusting us initially and working with Focus Lab. I appreciate you for spending time with me today and sharing these insights and these perspectives, people will take away value from this. Rebranding will happen forever until the end of time. And there's certainly going to be somebody out there that is terrified right now. They're questioning whether they should do it or not. They're wondering what they should look out for. And that's the purpose of these conversations. So thank you for sharing your your insights. Just do it. Just rebrand. Just do it. Just do it. TM. We don't have that TM. We might have to cut that. Out. Just kidding. You and Nike. Just do it. <laughs>